0: Hey, isn't that a great way to start the day? Right. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much, New City family, for your continued generosity and uh, just joining in the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. And one of the really cool things about our serve offering this year is both of the organizations are led by two New City family members, Uh, Nicole and Andy, both uh, attend and are a part of New City and as we shared with them uh, in our conversation and presenting that you know we just see this as an extension of our mission as a church in Uganda and also in East Charlotte and around the Charlotte community um, of helping people find and follow Jesus. So I hope that's an encouragement to you. And again, thank you for your generosity and contributing uh, to the serve offering and the mission of what God's called us to do here together. And I'm so grateful that you're here today. And for those of you who are watching online, we understand we're having a Charlotte snow day, a classic Charlotte snow day. It's 38 degrees and raining here if you're not in Charlotte. Uh, But we're grateful to have a dry and a warm space uh, to worship together And I want to invite you just to stand to your feet again And hear God's word today as we continue our series train station And our passage comes from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi Which is a letter of encouragement, a letter of joy It's four short chapters uh, full of incredible truth And we're going to look at Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 through 9 today And I just want to invite you to Calm your heart and your mind and receive the Lord's word this morning. Paul writes beginning in verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and you saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. God's word to you today. You can be seated. Thank you. Okay, part three of train station. You ready? All aboard. We started our series by talking about this metaphor of our brains being like Grand Central Station, a train station with thoughts coming into the station and departing the station every single day. In fact, we learned from neuroscientists that we think somewhere between 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. That's 1.7, a thought for every 1.7 seconds. Thoughts coming in our train station, thoughts constantly departing the train station that become stored emotions and memories, words, actions, habits, a lifestyle, a destination. That's how powerful our thoughts are. And God has a lot to say about this powerful gift that he gave to us called our brain and the thoughts that come in and out every single day. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5, Paul says, we as followers of Jesus Come against every lofty argument set against the knowledge of God. So we destroy arguments that are made against people knowing Jesus, including ourselves. And he goes further and he says, here's the the power of your thoughts. Not only do we destroy arguments that come against the knowledge of God, but we take captive every thought and we teach our thoughts to obey Jesus. So we grab those trains that are coming into our train station. You ever have a thought come into your brain you go, where in the world did that come from? Why am I thinking about that? Well, we learn that Satan, the enemy of our souls, is the father of lies. And at the heart of every temptation is the temptation to believe that God doesn't really love us and that our happiness is not his end that we can't truly be fulfilled and happy in our lives if we only put our hope and our trust in Jesus. And the enemy gets in and he begins to question truth and these thoughts come into our brain and Paul says we gotta take them captive before they leave the train station and they become a feeling, a word, an action, a habit, a lifestyle, a destination. And we teach our thoughts, we disciple our thoughts to obey Christ that's the power of your thought life, guys, and it begins right here, and we learned last week that you know God wants us to avoid, to use our metaphor, train wrecks or runaway trains or a runaway brain that takes us to places that we never wanted to go and takes us there faster than we ever thought we could get there. And some of you today in the room, some of you watching, you find yourself in a situation you go, how in the world did I get here? And I think if you, if you did a little plumb line from where you are and you kept going back and back, it began with a thought, a deceitful thought, a lie about who God is, about who you are, about who someone else is. And that thought became a feeling. That feeling became a word that you began to speak then you began to live into it. It became an action. It became a habit or a lifestyle or a hurt or a habit and on and on and on. And so Paul writes to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 12, verses one through two specifically. He turns the page on his explanation of the gospel and he says, this is how you live it out. And he says, the way that you begin to live the truth of the gospel that Jesus loves me and that he did for me what I could not do for myself on the cross of Calvary, the way you begin to live that out is first and foremost in your thinking in your brain. He says, let God transform you. Go read it for yourself. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, let God transform you. You don't transform yourself. You don't change yourself. Christianity is not six steps to a better me. It's not a behavior modification program. It's, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old was passed away and the new has come. And God says, if you want to begin to live in the new person, the new creation that God's created you to be, to be the true self that God made you to be, it begins in your mind. He says, let God transform you into a new person by the way you think. And so some of us, when we hear a message about our thought life, we go, man, that's really helpful, that's powerful, but what does that have to do with my relationship with Jesus or my followership of Jesus, my discipleship? It has everything to do with that. Discipleship begins in the way we think, the way we think about God, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about other people. A.W. Tozer said it this way, he said, the most important thing about you is the first thought you think of when you think about God. I wonder what that is today for you. Because Tozer said, the way you think about God ultimately is the way you think about yourself. And the way you think about yourself has everything to do with the way you think about and see other people and you navigate through life. That is the power of your thoughts. And again, as we focus on making disciples, becoming disciples, helping people find and follow Jesus, that's the way we, we talk about discipleship here. I love what Dallas Willard said in terms of discipleship and, and what is discipleship? How do we find Jesus and follow after him? Discipleship, Willard said, is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Isn't that great? Discipleship is the process. It is a process. It's a journey to becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And Willard, I love how he frames it, it's, it's who you would be if, if Jesus were you and he were living in your life and your relationships and your situation. Discipleship is the process, right, of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. In your relationships, in your job tomorrow, how would Jesus show up? How would he live the life that you're living? That is discipleship. And guys, everyone watch this. That process begins right here. And how we think about God, how we think about ourselves, how we think about other people, and how we filter every single one of those 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day that are taking us all kinds of different places. And so today I want to talk about train tracks. I want to talk about laying down tracks of godly thinking and, and as we think about the, you know, the power of our, of our mind, as we think about avoiding train wrecks by letting God transform the way we think about himself, about our, ourselves, about, about others, now we're gonna begin to think about the pattern of thought or the train of thought and laying down good train tracks. And here's one of the neat things about the time that we live in. We can actually see into our brain now and cognitive neuroscientists are able to tell us Some of what's happening in our brain, still a mystery to be discovered, but we're understanding more and more. Some of you are familiar with the phrase neuroplasticity, and neuroplasticity is the understanding that our brains can actually reconnect pathways and begin to create, to use our metaphor, train tracks of godly thinking or ungodly thinking. So neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to change and adapt. So when we talk about this is so interesting, we're able to see now into the brain and understand what Paul says when he says, renew your mind. And now we're actually able to match up science to say, you well, you can you can actually begin to rewire your brain and these neuropathways that create train tracks of thought. And here's the deal. When you lay down a train track of negative, ungodly thinking, it makes it that much easier for your brain to say, oh, we've done this before. We know how to be negative. We know how to gossip. We know how to think about things that are not admirable or pure or right or just. We know how to do that. It's that much easier for that thought to slip out of your brain. There's a science and an understanding of this, a pathway that's been created. But the same is true about godly thinking. The more godly thinking that happens in our brain, the more train tracks are laid down for the next godly thought. The the other thing I want to tell you just as we think about the science of this is, is something called neurogenesis. And this idea that every single morning, your brain produces new proteins that are able to be aligned or create train tracks or neuropathways for your thinking. And so this is so amazing. If you think about Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to the end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God created you to have new proteins, a new chance every day to lay down new train tracks proteins that are born every single morning in your brain that can begin to lay down a pathway for godly thinking. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a cognitive neuroscientist, has studied this extensively. I read a book by her a few years ago called Switch on Your Brain, which I would highly recommend. She's written several things. Not only is she brilliant, but she's a a strong, strong follower of Jesus. And she sees her neuroscience work as a part of understanding how God made us and helping each of us to understand the power of our brains. The book is called Switch on Your Brain. And Dr. Leaf says this, your mind, the the seat of volition or direction in your life, has one foot in the door of the spirit and one foot in the door of the body. So your mind is above your brain. Your mind is the seat of direction and will. That's why when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ directs our physical brains, our train stations, on the thoughts to think. This is this is the, the colloquialism mind over. It's true. That our mind, our volition, our direction directs our brains on the thoughts to think or not to think. And so Dr. Leaf says, this is a, a true thing that the, the thoughts that you think actually change the structure of matter, specifically the pathways, the neuropathways or train tracks in your brain. That's the power of your thoughts. And I, last thing I'll say, because you, you, I could geek out on this with her. It's amazing uh, what she's written. But she says, you know, if you could see your brain activity, the mapping of your brain, and the, um, the effect, the train wreck that it creates in your brain when you think negative thoughts, you'd never think another, no, another negative thought again. Which you go, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of us wouldn't want to do that again. And we're going to talk about that. So, so how do you lay down good train tracks? How do you avoid ungodly negative thinking? And I want to give you just a little picture of this. You know, as we think about the metaphor of, of our train station and tra- uh, train's thoughts coming in every day, uh, thoughts going out that we're, we're charged with filtering, if you will, with teaching them to obey Jesus. Um, I brought a, um, just a glass up here, a mug, and some water, and so maybe as you're um, getting your coffee today or tomorrow morning or you're pouring yourself a glass of water at lunch this week, you'll, you'll think about this. You know, when it comes to laying down godly train tracks and, and understanding, you know, how do, we, how do we begin to honor God in our thought lives? So uh, a lot of modern day teaching in terms of, you know, being mindful and meditation begins with this idea that you empty yourself. Have you heard this before? You've got to empty yourself of all your negativity. You've got to empty yourself of all your ungodly thoughts. So, so in other words, it's oriented around don't think these things. Okay, so let's try this in here just for a second. I don't want any of you to think about a pink elephant right behind me. He's right up here on the stage, but I don't want you to think about it. Don't think about it. He's right here. Do you see him? Don't think about him. No. A a biblical understanding of thinking is not emptying yourself. It's filling yourself. And so this this idea that if I I asked you, if I handed you this mug and I said, um, hey, I want you to get... The air out of this mug. Can you do it? Can you get the air out of this mug? No. Some of you would be clever enough to try something, but no. (laughs) You know how you get air, that substance, out of the mug? You fill it with another substance. So two things are happening here. The mug is being filled with water. It's being filled with something. But it's also dispelling air. That's how we get bubbles. That's what's happening. And I think this is a wonderful metaphor to think about godly thinking. That what the Bible says is not so much, don't do this. Don't think about this elephant. Don't think about that. Don't think about this person in that way. Stop doing that. Stop whatever. No, the Bible is oriented on think on these things. Fill your mind and your heart. I'm going to stop here. I'll spill it. Fill your mind and your heart with godly thinking, with truth. And as you're filling your brain with godly thinking, it's also dispelling ungodly thoughts. And moreover, it's creating train tracks or neuropathways. Remember, neuroplasticity, your brain is being rewired to actually switch on and become the brain that God created to operate the way the owner's manual says it's supposed to operate. So another another, uh, book I read in preparation for the series is called Your Junk Brain, (laughs) I just love the title and the idea of how much junk is coming into my brain unfiltered and no wonder junk is going out in my words and my actions and my thoughts because of what I'm taking in and against this understanding of biblically it's thinking on things above it's setting my mind it's fixing my mind which our passage talks about today now, some of you may be saying, well, yeah, but I, I still have these negative thoughts about God and myself and situations in my life and relationships, and how do I get rid of those negative thoughts? Well, again, I would say that it's not so much getting rid of the negative thoughts as it is filling your heart and your mind with truth. And an old colloquialism, maybe you've heard this before, is you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. And I think that's true with our thoughts. That sometimes you just have a runaway train that comes into your brain and you go, where in the world did that come from? Did I have bad pizza? Did I just, wh- what happened? But here's the thing. Once it comes into the train station, now, now I'm responsible for it. What do I do with that? Do I jump on that runaway train and ride it and just go, man, I'm going to take this to a feeling, a word, an action, an emotion, all the things? Or do I say, no, that does not match up with who God is, who I am, and who he created other people to be. And I'm going to destroy, this is the language, I'm going to destroy every sense of knowledge or every thought that comes against the knowledge of Christ. And I'm going to take captive in the train station. I'm going to stop it right there before it departs and picks up steam and becomes a runaway train, runaway brain coming uh, through all my words and my emotions and eventually my lifestyle. And so our passage today, if you have that open in Philippians 4, I just want to um, encourage you to kind of dog ear that passage and come back to it this week and maybe read it several times. Because what Paul is doing here, I want you to pay attention to the language. In verse 8 specifically, he says, you know, I want you to think on these things. Again, it's the idea of, I want you to fill your brain with truth. And while your brain is being filled with truth, you're thinking on these things, what is it also doing? It's dispelling lies. It's getting the junk out as I'm putting the good in. Another way to think about this is like a filter, Most of you in your apartment complex or your home, you have an air filter. You should should change that every now and then, right? Right? Because it's filtering the air that you're breathing, that you're ingesting. Some of you have filters on your your water and you're filtering, you know, whatever out of it because you want to drink pure water. Well, what if we had a filter for our thoughts? What if we could begin to filter the thoughts that are leaving the train station? Well, that's what Paul's doing here. And he's trying to give really practical advice for people just like us in the church of Philippi that had everyday stresses just like us, that struggled in relationships, that, that had a, a, a busy job, a, a people just like us that struggled with their thought life. And Paul says, I want to give you really practical advice on how to lay down good train tracks, good pathways for godly thinking. And as you allow God to transform you in your mind, it's going to transform the way you live. And so he uses eight words. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. He uses eight words and an eight step filter process for your thoughts, if you will. Okay, and I just wanna encourage you as you listen to these eight words, as you read them throughout the week, and I wanna encourage you to do that, that maybe you would focus on one or two that really hit you and you go, man, I really need to begin to filter my thoughts with this word and I need to remember, remember what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse five. We take every thought, every one of them, and we make it obey the truth of Jesus. It's not gonna do it on its own. This is the process of discipleship, of taking our thoughts and not being just a product of our thoughts. So I can't help it. I'm not, I can't help the thoughts that I think. You're right, you can't help the, the birds from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. So once it comes into the train station, now I'm taking it and I'm making it obey the truth of Jesus. I'm saying, listen, thought, you don't have control over my life. I have the mind of Jesus as a follower of his, right? And I can begin to rewire and tell my brain the thoughts that are right and pure and true. I can begin to lay godly train tracks, pathways for godly thinking. So I wanna focus in my teaching on two of them and the reason why is because those are the two that I picked for myself but as I walk through all eight of them I want you to just circle or highlight one or two of the filters that Paul gives on the thoughts that we need to be thinking of how we should filter the trains that are coming in and out of our train station Paul says think on these things he said, uses the language fix your thoughts isn't that a good phrase Fix your thoughts, set your thoughts on these things. And then he begins. Whatever is, and what's the first one? Philippians 4.8. We could probably just stop right there, right? If we would just dispel lies by filling our brain, the water, with truth. Remember what Pilate asked Jesus at his mock trial in front of all the people? What is truth? And what a question. And isn't that the question of our culture? What is truth? Is there anything I can base my life upon? And the loud, provocative story that the world is telling each of you and your children and your grandchildren is there is no truth but your feelings. There is no truth other than the thoughts that are coming in and out of your brains. That is truth. But Jesus said, the Bible says, I am truth. That's what Jesus said about himself. I am truth. Here's the the compelling thing about that scene. Just think about it in your mind's eye. Jesus standing before Pilate, Pilate asking out loud, what is truth? The question of our culture and the truth is standing right in front of him. And Jesus would demonstrate that over and over and over again. Jesus prayed this prayer in John chapter 17 for you. Did you know that? that Jesus prayed for you. It wasn't just for the people that lived in the first century. It was for the church all time. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, he prayed this what's known as high priestly prayer. And one of the things he prayed for you to the Father is, sanctify them in truth. What does sanctify mean? Purify, filter out ungodly, Make them more and more like you. The process of becoming more and more like Jesus. Jesus says, I'm praying for each of you that God will sanctify you. Help Jesus to become like, um, if if he were you, uh, to live the life that you're living, that you would be more and more like him. Sanctify them in truth. And then he says, what is truth? He says, your word is truth. Sanctify them in truth. What is the truth? Your word is truth. I want to just ask you an honest question, okay? Not for your neighbor, for you. How many of you right now would say, you know, I keep having this regular thought in my life or I can actually see this thought that I've continued to have has now become a habit or a situation or something in my life or a destination where I am that I don't want to be. That if you had filtered that in the train station weeks ago, months ago, years ago, you never would have gotten there. I wanna say two things about that. It's not too late. It's not too late to take it captive and to come back. But the second thing is, that's the power of a filter for your thoughts. Taking these words and again, making your thoughts obey what God says. Paul begins by think about, remember it's not, don't think about, don't think about, don't think about, that's not biblical. Biblical understanding of this is think on these things. Fill your mind and your heart with these things. And he begins by saying, whatever is true. So maybe you would just write that one out this week and say, when a train comes into the train station and I'm thinking about it, the first filter I'm gonna take with it is, is this true? And if I don't know it to be true, do I really need to resonate on it? Do I really need to ruminate on it? Do I really need to be thinking on it over and fixating on it and setting my mind on that? Of course, the answer is no. No. Whatever is true, think on these things. Whatever is, what's the second one? Whatever's honorable. What a lost thing in our culture to respect and to honor. And Paul says, what, what if you begin to filter your thoughts with, is this an honorable thing to say, to do, to live out of? How do we begin to honor God, honor other people with our thinking? He says, thirdly, whatever is right, Whatever is right, thinking the right things lead to right actions, right emotions, right words, right habits. Some of you just need to go and think the next right thing and do the next right thing in your life. If you feel stuck right now or you feel like you've been derailed, to use our metaphor, to get back on the right train of thinking, godly thinking, just go do the next right thing. And it begins by thinking the next godly thought. He says, whatever is pure, that's the fourth word. Whatever's pure. And here's what I wrote down in my notes for this. Purity is a much higher virtue that Paul uses here as a filter than morality. It doesn't mean that morality is something that's not good. But morality can be a false sense of security in legalism or man-made rules or whatever people are constructing as morality. Paul says whatever is pure. And again, to think about our our filter system and purity. He says, you know, think on things that are pure and seeking purity even over morality. What's the next one? For those of you following along, verse eight. We're down to the fifth one in our filter system here. Whatever's lovely, whatever is lovely, a synonym would be kind. You know, uh, kindness is a fruit of the spirit. It's what the spirit wants to produce in us, to be kind, to think about our our thoughts in a kind way. Some of you need to be much kinder to yourself. You beat yourself up with your thoughts. And what if we begin to filter our thoughts with, is this kind? Is it kind to myself? Is it kind to other people? This thing that I'm fixating on and I'm thinking about and I'm creating a neuro pathway in my brain so that it's easier to be unkind to myself or other people if I don't filter it right now with kindness? What would it look like to be kind in your thoughts? Paul says whatever is admirable, the sixth part of the filter. I'm gonna stop here for a second, Okay because this is the one, one of the ones I circled. And you wanna know why I circled it? Because I think every one of these eight filters, these eight words to filter our thoughts and begin to lay train tracks of ungodly or godly thinking, every one of them has a counter. And I think the counter to admirable is cynical. And I do believe that cynicism is a plague in our society we're very cynical people. And part of it is our connectivity, um, social media, how much uh, information we're processing about other people, literally globally, um, all throughout the day. And we're trained very early on by the story of the world to be cynical, to not believe things. And I really believe this, that for, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that the plague of cynicism is like kryptonite to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Some of us bring our cynicism into the church. We bring our cynicism into our relationship with God. And we're just constantly, you know, thinking and filtering our thoughts through, you know, is this really true? Is this really right? Is this really? And I I get that we need to be, you know, um, prudent about our thoughts and we need to examine them. That's what we're talking about today. But there's a difference between that and being a cynic. And I think cynicism takes you down a path where you really can't begin to wrap your thoughts and lay train tracks that are all the things that Paul is saying here and celebrating the work of Jesus in the world in the midst of brokenness and pain and a world full of very uh, negative things that happen every day to, to choose not to be a cynic and constantly be knocking people down with my words and my thoughts. I, maybe I'm preaching to myself. But I think that the counter of, of thinking admirable thoughts is to be, to be a forever cynic about everything. And you, you know what, when you're a cynic, you know who you're the most cynical of? Yourself. You don't ever allow yourself to live in the true story that God's made for you, because you're constantly cynical, even of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. What if we said, no more cynicism? Well, I'm gonna choose to think on things that are admirable and the work that God's doing. The seventh filter is what? Whatever's excellent. Whatever is excellent. Uh, For for, uh, folks that are um, on our team here, they hear me say all the time, excellence, not extravagance. You know, this is not extravagance. Excellence has nothing to do with extravagance. But I do think for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that whether it's uh, business or government, or church, or media, or sports, or art, or whatever God's called you to, if it's Christian, it should be better. It should be excellent, not perfect, but excellence is a part of what we should be thinking about. How do we do our best unto the Lord, and do excellent work, and it begins with excellent thinking. And what's the final filter here? The eighth word that Paul uses whatever is worthy of praise or praiseworthy. Did you know you could worship God with your thoughts? And Paul says that, whatever is worthy of praise, whatever is praiseworthy, that you can actually begin to think on those things and it's an act of worship. What is worship? Our response to God's revelation to how God has made himself known through Jesus, through creation, through the spirit, through the body of Christ. As God makes himself known to us in truth, we respond. And every one of those responses is an act of worship, including our thoughts. And so Paul says, if it's praiseworthy, then you should think on that. You should fix your thoughts on that. How would your, let me ask you a question. How do you think your life would change if you began to filter your thoughts in this way? How do you think your relationships would change? How do you think the way you show up tomorrow in your God-given vocation, the thing that you're pursuing would change if you begin to filter your thoughts, your train station, with these godly filters? The things that Paul says you should run every single thought through and you should filter it to make sure not only you're thinking an individual thought, but all the train tracks that are being laid, thought after thought, after thought, after thought. And here's the deal. Every one of those tracks that's being laid, those neuropathways in your brain is taking you to a destination. And some of you right now, if you're honest, you look around and you go, I don't like the destination. I don't like where I'm at. And some of that obviously is the brokenness of life, the brokenness of the story that we live in in the world. But some of, it, we can't let ourselves off the hook completely. Some of it, it starts right here with the train tracks that we have laid through ungodly, unfiltered thoughts. So what would it look like to, t- to take Philippians 4, 8 and begin to filter every one of your thoughts, those eight words? I wonder what word sticks out to you. I wonder which one you would go, I need to fix my thoughts on that word and begin to take my thoughts and bring them into obedience to the truth of God. One final thing here, okay? Verse 9, Paul says, not only is it your thoughts, right? And thinking through these types of thoughts and filling your heart and your mind with truth. But then he says in verse 9, and put into practice. And I love that he wrote this because he understands that your thought eventually becomes a word, a practice, a habit, a lifestyle. And he understands just from a a learning sense that when you begin to put something into practice, you begin to speak it, you begin to act on it, you begin to teach other people. All of that is a part of cementing that truth and that train track in your brain. And so Paul says, put this into practice. Put good train tracks down so that you can not only follow them yourself, but help other people and lead them into godly thinking. Put these into practice. Eventually they will, right? Every good ethic right? Or every good doctrine or thought becomes an ethic. It becomes a way of life, including your thoughts. Thoughts eventually become actions. And Paul is acknowledging that. And then here's the promise. You ready? He says, as you're thinking on these things, fixing your thought on these things, filtering your thoughts, bringing them into obedience to Jesus, putting them into practice in your life, what's the promise? And the God of peace will be with you in my anxiety, which is a real thing, in my worry, in my regret about the past, my angst about the future, the God of peace will be with me. And go back to verse seven. And this peace that God gives to me, his very presence will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. How many of you need that today? that the God of peace will be with me, his presence will surround me. Did you know that your thoughts invite the presence of God into your life? Everyone watch this. Your thoughts invite the presence of God into your life or they dispel the presence of God from your life. Doesn't mean God's gonna leave you or forsake you. What it does mean is your fellowship, your connection, your invitation for the presence of God in your life begins with the thoughts that you're thinking inviting the Holy Spirit, inviting the presence of God into your life, the God of peace by the way I'm thinking and the train tracks that I'm laying down in my relationships, in my work, in my life. I wanna encourage you just by way of application to take our passage, Philippians 4, 6 through 9, and read it every morning this week. Maybe the Holy Spirit would direct you to a specific word in the passage and you would circle it or highlight it and begin throughout your day as thoughts are coming in the station, out of the station, to take that thought and bring it into obedience with the word that God's given us here through Paul's letter. Remember, it's not, don't think on these things. That's not the key to godly thinking or laying godly train tracks. The key is what? Bottom line. Think on these things. Begin to think on these things It's not empty myself or not think about this or don't do that or I shouldn't worry, I know it's bad, but I do, I shouldn't do that. No, no, begin to think on these things and watch the Holy Spirit begin to transform your life. One of the ways that you can put this into practice is in community. So whether that's with a friend or at your your, uh, dinner table tonight, Uh, whether it's in a circle of people in the church, but beginning to have these conversations in community. God designed us to live in circles, not just rows. We're meant to live in circles where we are known and we can know other people. And part of living in community and the, the, the destructive part of 2020, honestly, in isolation, was that people were allowing thoughts to just run, you know, rampant, runaway trains, and nobody was there in community to go, that's nuts, you shouldn't be thinking that. You certainly, you certainly shouldn't post that. You shouldn't say that. That's part of the power of community, right? You watch people on like a singing competition and they sing and you just go, this person clearly can't sing, right? And you feel bad for them because now I'm standing in front of all, you know, America singing and going, mama told me that I'm a really good singer. And they go, you're not. This isn't for you. You shouldn't do it. That's the power of community, Right is when you're in community with other loving, godly people, they go, singing's not for you. Or, you know, this is a, this is a nutty thought. You really should, should stop thinking that way. In all seriousness, you, community is a powerful way that God designed for us to help each other in the process of discipleship. And so I do want to let you know today about an opportunity to put this into practice in community called GroupLink. Some of you have heard of this before, but we do it a couple times a year. And it's a chance for you to come and be around other people that are looking for community and circles here at New City. And all of our group leaders that have seats open in their circle are there. And so you have an opportunity to meet groups, um, to be a part of that. Uh, New groups get formed out of this. And so I wanna invite you to go ahead and jot down, I know many of you are several weeks out in your calendar. This is two weeks from today, February the 5th, uh, in the evening here at South Park, we'll have dinner. Uh, no obligations to, to, to join a group, um, but I can tell you that most people who make the step from a row to a circle through group link get connected. And it's a powerful part of you growing up in Jesus and becoming more like him, particularly in the things that we're talking about. Uh, I'm gonna invite us into just a few moments to cement the truth that we've heard today um, through prayer. And I wanna do something different today. I was telling Stuart um, some of what I do every day is... Uh, listening to the scriptures. And um, I think it's powerful to hear the scriptures after they've been taught. Um, we heard it at the beginning. We've just, you know, uh, worked our way through it. I just want to read it to you again slowly and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you um, about what He might have to say as you leave today. So let's pray together. The Word of God to you today, Philippians 4, 6-9. through 9. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice All you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you.